Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of the rising sun. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And today we're talking about planning. So you're going to Japan. Awesome. That's good a good idea. You. That's something you should do. Something yes. everybody should do. So, Paul, how do you like to plan your trip to Japan? What's your style of planning? I feel like I like to plan out where I'm going to be every day and maybe one or two things to do, but uh, I don't like to nail down exact times on everything necessarily. Sure. Leave a little bit of time to explore, wander, kind of go at my own pace. Okay. Uh, I know you're a little bit different in that. How do you like to plan, Jason? I am an obsessive planner. I'll just come right out and say it. I will admit, my last trip to Japan, I went with Jason, and he planned everything so well. Not going to lie. Everything went smoothly. We knew exactly where we were going every moment. It was, it was pretty good. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I do like to do a lot of research. Well, I like to see a lot of places. I always have a long list of things that I want to see and do. So to make sure that I fit all those in there, I need to spend a lot of time, you know, making sure I know when things are open, when things are going to be like way too busy, uh, how I'm going to get in between these cities. I don't want to spend a lot of time walking around a train station confused. So I'm going to look up like, I'm going to have maps of the train station on my phone. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I just want to have everything covered so that I can spend as much time as possible enjoying the things around me rather than being stressed out about how I'm going to get somewhere and how much time I'm going to have to spend there. Yeah, I do remember my first trip to Japan. Um, I quite enjoyed it, but I was there with my brother and we would spend, you know, 30 minutes in the morning trying to figure out, oh, when does this place open and what we should do first and how mm -hmm. late that place is open. And yeah. You know, we could have maybe been using that time to see one more thing or do one more thing. Yeah. And your first trip to Japan was kind of before the day of smartphones, right? So that must have made it a lot harder not being able to just look up train schedules whenever you want. Yeah, our only internet access was at the one computer at the hotel that yeah. uh, they had in the lobby. Yeah. That, uh, I can't imagine that, honestly. On every trip I've made to Japan, I had... I had internet with me at all times, and that made it uh, just so insane. We printed a lot of convenient. Google directions out yeah. and brought them with us. <laughs> yeah, like walking directions and yeah. train directions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I will say that doing obsessive planning, like I do, it does have some drawbacks. There were times when like, I had researched a place so much that once I actually got there, it kind of already felt like I knew everything, like I'd already seen everything there was to see online. Yeah, you show up and it looks like the photographs do. Yeah, and yeah it's like, okay, well, this You already looks, know all the info. Yeah, it's pretty much what I expected <laughs> based on my research. But, you know, it's, it's really personal preference. I There's definitely value in just showing up without a plan and exploring. I, I really like exploring and just finding new things. Like, that's really exciting for me. But I think there's a, there's a good balance between those. You, you want your time to explore, but you don't want to waste time being lost and confused. Yes. Our next topic is time of year. What time of year should you go to Japan? And again, this, there's a lot of personal preference here. You know, are you into skiing and snowboarding? You want to go spend some time in Hokkaido? 
or maybe you're into snorkeling, scuba diving. You want to go down to Okinawa and, uh, you know, hang out on the beautiful beaches down there. But uh, we'll just talk about the times of year and what you can expect. So we'll start in, in January. January is going to be cold, probably, unless you're really far south, because Okinawa is basically tropical. Yes, tropical climate. Yeah, it doesn't get much below like 55 any time of the year. Most of the rest of Japan is going to be cold, maybe some snow. Yeah. It's definitely the slow time of the year, tourism-wise, so you might get some better deals. It might be less crowded, but uh, weather-wise for most of the country, not the ideal time to go yeah. unless you're trying to ski or snowboard. Yeah. So like you said... Uh, winter is kind of a slower time of the season, but one thing you do want to watch out for is New Year. That's a big deal in Japan. People are going to be traveling all over the country. The trains are going to be busy. So basically from the week before Christmas up to the beginning of January, there's going to be a lot of a lot of people traveling around. Just something to watch out for. I mean, you could go specifically for New Year. That might be a fun thing to experience in Japan. That would be cool. Yeah. Now in February, go to Hokkaido if you're going to go in February, because they have a snow festival in Sapporo that looks awesome. They got these huge snow sculptures. I'm sure they got all sorts of food stands and all sorts of fun stuff to do. Yeah, I haven't been to Sapporo, but I've heard that that festival is pretty amazing. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out someday. What do we have in March, Paul? March is start of the perfect time, basically, to go to Japan. The weather is going to start warming up. It's not going to be the rainy season yet. Mm -hmm. So March to May is kind of like the spring season. Good traveling for sure. Yeah. You're also going to want to visit at that time of year if you are interested in seeing the cherry blossoms. That's Hanami season. Yes. It depends on where you are in the country mm -hmm. and it depends on the weather that year. Right. So if you're booking six months out in advance, you're kind of rolling the dice. Mm -hmm. But in general, if you're around the Tokyo region of the main island, it's the last week of March, first week of April-ish is when you're most likely to see those beautiful mm -hmm. cherry blossoms blooming. Yeah, you can see, so they're going to start blooming in the south, right? Okinawa gets the cherry blossoms in like January, somewhere around there. And then they kind of start blooming further and further north yep. as you progress up to like early May. Another thing to note in that season is April 29th through May 5th is Golden Week. Yes, you might want to avoid Golden Week. It's going to be very busy. Most of the hotels are going to be booked long in advance. What is Golden Week, Paul? It is a holiday weekend, in J or a holiday week, I should say, yeah. in Japan. There's several holidays bunched together right there, so everybody's going to be off work and not yeah. out of school. a lot of Japanese people take advantage of it to travel. The kids are off school, people are off work. Mm -hmm. So what next? What comes after spring? Well, then you got your summer season. It's going to be freaking hot. It's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. It's going to rain a lot. It's not quite the ideal time to uh, travel to Japan. It depends what you're into. If you do want to climb Mount Fuji, I mean, that's a fun thing to do. And Mount Fuji opens to climbers on July 1st. Yeah, I've heard the summer can be good if you're into like hiking and outdoors stuff. Mm -hmm. You just have to hope you don't get rained on too much. Yeah. Yeah, if you can handle the heat, 
I'm sure it's a great time to go. I went, my first trip to Japan was kind of at the end of summer, like at the end of August into September. And it was still a little warm. Like I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt around even then. But uh, that was a decent time to go. Oh, another uh, thing to note, in mid-August you have Obon, which is a big holiday in Japan. It's about uh, your deceased ancestors coming to visit you. Kind of a, a spiritual thing. But that's also going to be a busy time, obviously. People are going to be traveling around a lot. But it might be a fun experience, too. They got a bunch of you know festivals and stuff that you can check out. Yeah, summertime is kind of festival time. Mm-hmm. So you uh, definitely have a better chance of seeing some cool festivals if you travel in the summer. Yep. So then we have fall. Fall is my personal favorite time to go to Japan. I am with you on that. The weather is perfect. Yep. The trip that I'm planning for this year, I leave November 7th. And I mean, I expect it to be like right around... 60 degrees, which is perfect for if you're going to be walking around outside all day, you're going to be comfy. Anything September to November is going to be a nice range. All right. So once you've decided on your planning style and what time of year you want to go to Japan, what do you need next, Paul? You need to make sure that you have an active passport. That would be good. They're not going to let you into the country without a passport. And I know that here in the United States, it can sometimes take two to three months, sometimes possibly even longer to get your passport if you don't have one. Yeah, you want to make sure you get that out of the way ASAP. Never trust the government to be on time. (laughs) I learned that trying to get my license tabs last year. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you don't want to be getting close to the deadline with that passport. That will be stressful. Yes. So the other piece of that is you're also going to need a visa, no matter where you're coming from in the world. Fortunately, if you're coming from the U.S., that visa is basically automatic. You just show up at customs and they, they put a visa into your passport. Yeah. So it's easy from a lot of countries, but you should definitely look up what it requires from your country because mm-hmm. there's always going to be exceptions to that. And sometimes you do need to get pre-approved for things like visas. Right. Once you have your passport and visa, you are probably ready to look into booking a flight. How do you book a flight to Japan, Paul? I use the internet. That is wise. (laughs) Can you go into a little more detail? It is good to look around at multiple sites. It's good to check and maybe not buy something the first day. Kind of get an idea of what the prices are looking like in the time of year you want to go. Right. And you're going to have to watch that for a little while because the prices are going to fluctuate and you're going to want to buy when you see it drop. Yeah, that's good advice. I have found the best prices when I pick the time of year that I want to go and I just look those up every once in a while. All of a sudden, one day it's $300 cheaper. Right. It's just random. So that's one way to do it. Another way, I guess, if you're not picky about the time of year and you just want the absolute cheapest, you could just, you know, search for different times a year, sporadically. Yeah, sometimes moving the days around, even a few days one way or the other can change ticket prices too. So you can always play around with that. Yeah, and a lot of times there's a little option where you can say like plus or minus a few days or something. Like I don't care exactly what day I leave and that can help you find some cheaper prices too. Now, 
this is obviously going to depend on where in the world you're coming from, but I personally will never book a flight with multiple stops again to get to Japan. You can find some really cheap prices if you're willing to make a bunch of stops, but it could take you 48 hours or more to get to Japan, and that's not going to be fun. Yeah, I would do one stop if it was somewhat direct and it wasn't more than a couple hour layover. But some of them get crazy where you're going the wrong direction and then you've got a six hour layover and yeah, you end up traveling for 40 whatever hours and you're just dead when you arrive. Not, Not an ideal situation. Right. But you know, for my trip this year, I found tickets for... I think it was around $700 round trip, which is just barely more than the tickets I got when I had to stop in Chicago. So just watch those prices and try to snatch one up for a direct flight if you can. Yeah, 700's not bad for flying that far. Yeah. So speaking of transportation, once you get there, you're going to need to take the trains probably. You could rent a car in Japan. I would not recommend it unless you're going to go somewhere very rural and far away from any train lines because the train system in Japan is exceptional. Yes. You can get, I mean, you have the high-speed train, the Shinkansen, that's going to get you between large cities, and then any decent-sized city is going to have local trains, too, that can get you around to the local attractions. So... I don't see any reason to rent a car unless there's some really specific place that you want to see that you can't get to on a train. Yeah, 90 plus percent of the time, it's not going to make sense to to rent a car. Now, if you're planning on making a lot of long trips between cities on the Shinkansen, for example, a good option is something called the JR Pass. So JR, Japan Rail, is the biggest train company in Japan. I think so. They basically own the whole network that goes all over the place. Yeah, and that includes all the Shinkansen trains, all the bullet trains. Right, and there's even a Shinkansen now that can get you from Tokyo to Hokkaido. Like, it goes underwater. That's awesome. Yeah. So the JR Pass will let you on to any JR train, local trains and, you know, long-distance trains. For free. Like, once you have the pass, you don't have to pay anymore. Yeah, any JR-operated train, you will be able to get on for free with the pass. Yep. Which is going to be the bullet trains, and every major city has at least one major line, probably, that's JR. Mm -hmm. Maybe even some smaller lines, too. Yeah. It can also, it's not even limited 100% to trains. It actually includes the ferry to Miyajima near Hiroshima. The JR Pass is hugely useful, basically, is what we're saying. You can get a one-week pass or a two-week pass, and let's see, you can get the green car one. The green car is basically first class. I was just reading about that today to see if I wanted to get the green pass for my trip. Oh, yeah? You get a little more room. So the normal normal trains are six seats across. The green cars are four seats across. So your seat's a little bigger. Some of them have electric reclining seats, You have a power outlet there. You can plug in your phone or whatever, your laptop. It's about 30% more expensive than the normal JR Pass, but, you know, depending on what your priorities are, it might be a good option. That sounds nice. Mm -hmm. I always, uh, I never had trouble with the main stuff. It's not like the trains are uncomfortable or anything. Yeah. But it's never bad to upgrade if it's within your budget. Yeah, I mean, even the standard Shinkansen seats are 
like way more comfortable than any airplane seats. Yeah, so much better than a plane. You can get up, you can walk around, you've got yeah. space, you yeah. got leg room. Right, a lot of leg room. I, I had enough room to stick my suitcase in front of my knees and still like I didn't feel constrained at all. Wow. Um, another thing to note about the JR Pass is that you can't get it in Japan. That's or you right. Rather, you can't get the voucher in Japan. So the way that it works is you're going to order the pass, you're going to get a voucher in the mail that says that you ordered the pass. Once you're in Japan, you take that voucher to a JR office and exchange that for the pass itself. But this pass isn't available to Japan residents. You need to be a visitor, and you have to order that voucher ahead of time. That's the only way to get it. Right, It because it's a good deal. If you're right. using the trains, it's a good deal. It's for tourists. And uh, that's why we're mentioning it now, because you do need to get it ahead of time. Yeah, you're going to so want to plan ahead. If you decide that's what you want, you should probably just get that done with right away after you book your flight and you know when you're going to be in Japan. Yep. Uh, you're also going to need to order that voucher within three months of the time that you intend to use it. That's another thing to note. Uh, so, you know, there are a bunch of websites to sell them. You can go look up all the requirements uh, yeah. if you're not sure about plenty you know, your passport status. There's plenty of good info out there in English on Google. Yep. But JR Pass is what you want. If you're going to be traveling... Like, let's say from Tokyo down to Osaka, Kyoto, and back, it's going to be worth it. If you're not, if you're traveling less than that, it might not be worth it. So it's a good idea to try to add up kind of the price of. Yeah, because you, know, where you you're will still to go. have to pay for other trains. You know, if you're hopping around Tokyo, maybe half your trains or so will be covered, but you're still going to have to pay for all the non JR trains. Yep. So it saves you a lot if you're doing the bullet trains. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, it helps getting some of the smaller ones too. But that's like the main, I think, reason to get it. Yep. All right, let's move on to hotels. You're probably going to want to stay at a hotel. Uh, now, how do you choose a hotel, Paul? I usually choose the cheapest one that I can find. <laughs> That's one way to go. Based on the location. You yeah. know, there's parts of town or certain cities that I want to be in, and I go and look. But there are different kinds of hotels as well. Yeah, there you, are a lot of options. We'll get a little more into details later about hotels. Yeah, I we're going to do a whole episode about hotels. But basically, just to list them out real quick, you got capsule hotels, super cheap. Hostels are also super cheap. One step up from that, you got your business hotels, pretty small, but if you're going to be spending most of your time outside your hotel anyway, business hotel is a pretty good option for most people, I would say. Yes. Uh, then you got your ryokans, which are traditional Japanese-style hotels, so sliding wooden doors with, with paper on them. And if you're searching for hotels online, in English especially, you're going to find a lot of hotels that cater a bit to tourists which is kind of nice because then you're more likely to get a place that's got laundry, a washer and dryer that you can use. If you're going to be there for more than a week, yeah. you're going to have to wash your clothes. They're going to have people at the front desk that can speak English a little bit and help you out, mm-hmm. give you some advice or directions, yeah, things like that. Yeah, laundry is definitely a good thing to have. And that can save a lot on uh, what you need to pack. You know, If you're staying for three weeks... But you're staying at a bunch of places that have laundry machines. You only need to pack for, you know, less than a week's worth of clothes. That can help a lot. Yeah. 
Did we cover all the hotel options? I think that's kind of the main stuff. I mean, stuff. we covered everything but love hotels, but <laughs> you're not going to want to stay at a love hotel. Yeah, probably not. Not for long term anyway. No. Manga cafes are also a super cheap option. We'll talk about those more in, in the hotels episode, but for most people, honestly, a business hotel is probably a good, a good one. Yeah, it could be fun to stay in the traditional... Ryokan. Yeah, if you're willing to spend a little more, usually you're going to be sleeping on a futon on the floor. Yep. If that's not your thing, that's fine. But I found it to be very comfortable. Yeah, it's fun and a good way to get a taste of the culture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, of course, you know, if you need more room than a business hotel can offer, there are bigger luxury hotels like Western style stuff. Like they have Hiltons and Hyatt's yeah, out there. Yeah, there's plenty of high-end stuff around. You can get nice rooms if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. So, as I mentioned earlier, when Paul first went, he didn't have access to the internet wherever he went. But that is a great thing to have. And I, I would not do a trip to Japan without it. It just makes so much sense. We had to use a book. <laughs> yeah, it was Some of the info was up to date. Some of it wasn't. We just did our best. How archaic. <laughs> Those barbarians that yeah. lived 10 years ago. <laughs> I know. So, what I would recommend is something called a pocket Wi-Fi device. Yes. You can get these all over the place. There are a bunch of websites that offer them. The one that I've always gone with and had great experience with is Global Advanced Communication. Um, basically, what it is is you rent this little device. It's about the size of a pager, if you remember what those are. Maybe about <laughs> half the size of a cell phone, let's say. That's probably a better way to describe sure. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically, what this does is you turn it on. It connects to the cell network. And it creates a little Wi-Fi hotspot for you. You can connect your phone, your iPad, your laptop, whatever. And the uh, cell network in Japan is so much better than the ones here in the U.S. Yeah, the Wi-Fi was great. We never had a problem with it. Yeah, super we fast. Like you, you can stream HD video probably. Yeah, being able to look up directions and mm-hmm. times and find local restaurants... Mm-hmm. You know, when you're hungry, it's just super convenient. Yep. It's worth every penny easily. Yep. So you have access to Google Maps. You can tell where you are and how to get to any place at any time. You might also find the Google Translate app useful. If you're, you know, really don't know much Japanese and you want to get some point across, that's one way to go. Yeah. For the trains, there's a website called Hyperdia. Dot com yes. That is amazing. You don't need to worry about figuring out the train schedules because you just type in where you are and where you want to go, like what station you want to get to in Hyperdia, and it'll tell you all your options for different routes, how long it's going to take, how much yeah, it's going to cost. it'll give you the most direct option. It'll give you the quickest option. It tells you the fares. Mm-hmm. I believe you can even put in like future times, like yeah. I'm going to be leaving at 6 p.m. Yeah. So ahead of time, it, you've got it all planned out what train you're going to be at, what time that train's coming, where you're transferring. It is a very useful site. Hugely useful. Another option, if you don't have a Wi-Fi device, is an internet cafe. Those are around. You can rent a computer for a little while if you need to look something up. Also, most hotels are going to have a computer that you can use to look things up. But again, I highly recommend the Pocket Wi-Fi. They're not very expensive. And this is something you're going to want to reserve ahead of time. Right, because they can get sold out. So yeah, you pick I, it up right at the airport. Oh yeah, that's another thing to it's mention. Super easy. Yeah, you get easy. it right after you get off your flight. You turn it back in at the airport on your way home. Yep. You can also have it shipped to a, a hotel that you're staying at if you want. 
I mean, it's easiest probably to just pick it up at the airport when you land. And yeah, then you have, have it, it immediately. You can't get lost. You've got your Wi-Fi. You've got yeah. your phone. You're good to go. Yeah. So with Global Advanced Communication, as I mentioned, their prices are like, if you're just there for a few days, it's it can be up to like $10 a day, but it gets cheaper the longer you use it. So it can get down to like four or five bucks a day. Yeah, for five totally bucks a it. day to have internet access while you're traveling, uh, so worth it. Yeah. you got your hotels booked, you got your pocket Wi-Fi reserved, time to fill up your itinerary with fun events, maybe some restaurants you want to visit. Yeah, if you are going to visit a temple or see a site, you can just show up. You don't need anything. Yeah, but if most you, things. If you are planning to take a tour, you want to go to a fancy restaurant for some delicious food, mm-hmm. um, you're going to want to book that ahead of time in advance. Yeah. A lot of high-end restaurants can be really tough to get into, especially for a foreigner who doesn't speak the language very well. You know, depending on the hotel you're staying at, they might have a concierge that can help you get a reservation. But some of these restaurants are going to be booked like more than a month in advance. If you saw Jiro Dreams of Sushi on Netflix and you want to go to Jiro's, it's going to be tough to get in there. Yeah. You're going to want to plan ahead. You're going to have to book that well ahead of time and yeah. have that ready to go. And Japan has amazing cuisine. You definitely want to look into stopping by some good restaurants. For sure. And I mean, you don't need to go to a super high-end, expensive, you know. No, there's place plenty of restaurants you can just walk into where they've got yeah. amazing food too. But if there's something specific you want to try, not a bad idea to book just a really nice meal. Like why not, you know? And I mean, I can't say enough good things about Kobe beef. Wagyu beef, a.k.a. Japanese beef, in general, is, is, is just a whole different thing than the beef that you get in the U.S. So, I will take your word for that. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, Paul doesn't eat meat, but... There's plenty of delicious vegan and vegetarian food in Japan as well. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do an episode, and you can talk about that just for all the vegans out we there. Do, we'll do a food episode at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we talked a little about restaurants, events too. There are a lot of tours that you can take that are pretty cool. If you don't want to wing it yourself or if you want a tour guide that's really knowledgeable about an area, it's not a bad idea to book a tour. Yeah, we took a tour last time we were in Japan. We did. Where did we go? We went to Mount Fuji uh-huh. and we went to the Ice Caves uh-huh. and Akigohara Forest. I think I might have said that right. Close, close. <laughs> close Aokigahara. <laughs> but uh, yeah, also known as the Suicide Forest. And that was a really fun tour. It we was. did not see any dead bodies, thankfully. But it is a beautiful forest. It is. It, it's like a lava forest. So the ground is really hard. And there's a bunch of spots where all the roots are grown on top of the lava. Yeah. It was amazing. It looked yeah. really cool. There are places you can actually see like where the lava was flowing and then it solidified into a stone. Anyway, we're getting off track here. <laughs> it was Talking a good time. Look, look into doing some tours. There's some yeah. really good stuff out there. Yeah, there are a lot of good tours. We did that one. Uh, you can also get tours to Hakone to get some great views of Mount Fuji. Uh, and even if you're just staying in Tokyo and you don't have you know, a JR pass, or you're not planning on going to any other cities, a lot of these tours include transportation to some area nearby yeah we hopped on a bus from tokyo and they mm-hmm. drove us down to mount fuji and 
the tour guide entertained us and gave us some info along the way. Mm-hmm. It was a good experience. Yeah. Made a whole day of it. Yes. You can also book some museums you might want to book ahead of time. Studio Ghibli. If you're into Studio Ghibli, they have a museum that you're going to want to book ahead of time. Yeah, when you're looking at where you want to go and what you want to see, you'll probably see advice on if it's something you need to book ahead of time or not. Just be aware that uh, get that done. Yeah. Let's move on to money. Money. Yeah. Trips to Japan do cost money, unfortunately. Yes. You are going to want to have some cash. Yep. You know, I always read that Japan is very much a cash-based society, and to some extent that's true, but I didn't find it to be quite as true as I was led to believe. Well, especially for some of the touristy stuff, there's going to be some cash only for small vendors and things like that. Sure. If you're visiting, you know, a temple that you have to pay admission to or something, they're not going to take credit cards, probably. Right. You're going to need some yen to, to get into a yeah. temple, do that sort of thing. Yeah. But the big things like the trains. Your hotel, you can put on a credit card. Yeah, restaurants. Almost all restaurants will take a credit card. Not all of them, though. Right. So it's a good idea to have some cash on hand. And everyone, I think, knows you don't want to exchange money at the airport. It's going to be a marked up rate. Mm-hmm. Go to your bank. Almost any bank will exchange money for you. With something like yen, they might not have it on hand, so you might have to order it. So it's something you might want to do a couple weeks or a week before you go to give your bank some time to get some yen for you. But it's uh, easily doable, and that's the best way to get a a good uh, rate. Yeah, that's what I've always done is order cash from my bank ahead of time. If you're not comfortable with carrying around a bunch of cash, it is possible to use your check card at uh, ATMs in Japan to get cash. 7-Elevens will have ATMs yeah. that will let you and get cash. And that has changed. When I first went to Japan, I think it was about 11 years ago, I ran out of cash towards the end. And I looked up, where can I get more cash? There were like three ATMs in Tokyo that you could use American cards at. Wow. I had to go to... Uh, like Rapongi or something to find like this one <laughs> Citibank ATM. Yeah. We had to make a special trip out there just to get more yen. But like you said, a little easier these days. Yeah. And you're still probably going to want to check. Just Google, see if other people with your credit card company or your debit card or whatever have had success because I've heard some people have trouble with that. Or Yeah. Some cards definitely seem to be better with the international stuff than others. Yeah. And you're going to want to let your credit card companies know that you're traveling ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So your card doesn't get shut down the first time you pay for your first hotel room in Japan. <laughs> right. That would not be Ooh. fun. So make sure you let them know you're going to be traveling. Yep. Also a good idea to try to get a card that doesn't have foreign transaction fees. Yes. A lot of credit cards will charge like a 3% fee on every single purchase yeah, you make. Yeah, 3% on your hotels and all that stuff is going to add up. Yeah. I have a Capital One Quicksilver. I'm not sure if it's all Capital One cards that don't have fees. I generally hear Capital One's good, but I can't yeah. guarantee that every card, there's lots of different cards. Right. So you're going to want to look up what cards don't have fees and grab one of those, even if you only use it for overseas travel. It's good to have. Oh, another thing to note, I don't know if you experienced this at all, Paul. This is kind of a little quirk about Japan credit cards specifically. I've been to stores where I hand them my credit card and then they ask me one or two. Have you ever seen that? I don't recall that. 
So at the time, I was just like, I don't know what this is. One, and it, it worked, you know. But apparently in Japan, credit cards have an option where you, when you sign up for the card, you can decide if you want to pay for things all at once or in installments, like monthly installments. So when you charge something at a store onto your card, you decide if you want them to put it all on the card at once or if you want them to split it up into like monthly payments. Interesting. Yeah. If you're coming in from outside the country, you're probably going to always say one because from what I understand, these cards that give you that option of paying in installments like that are only available in Japan. Yeah, your card's probably not set up for that. It right. might get declined if they try to do it. Right. So yeah, if, they, if you see them holding up a one or a two, just tell them one. Ichi. Yeah. So we should probably also mention the exchange rate. One dollar is roughly 100 to 120 yen. It usually is somewhere in that range. It fluctuates a bit. Yeah, so if you're looking at something like lunch, it's not too hard to go. 800 yen, okay, that's about eight bucks. Yeah. If you're looking at a hotel bill or something like that, you might want to look up the current exchange rate to get a slightly more accurate number. Yeah. But it'll get you pretty close if you uh, just divide it by 100. Right. And also, Japan doesn't have a dollars and cents sort of system. Like for us, 100 cents equals $1. Their money is calculated just in yen. So, you know, one yen up to a million yen. It's all just yen. Yeah, so one yen coin is worth about one penny anyways. Exactly. So it kind of works out. But everything is yen. Yep. Okay, so you have money. You got everything booked. What do you want to know now? What's it going to be like if I don't speak Japanese? Oh, crap. I've totally forgot to learn Japanese. What am I going to do? <laughs> well, have no fear. It is super easy getting around in Japan. Even Every train station has signs in English. Mm -hmm. There's going to be maps in English mm -hmm. that you can grab. Yep, and any um, JR offices, they're going to speak enough English at the very least to be able to help you get where you want to go. And a lot of friendly people, if you stand around with like a lost face on or looking at a map or something, almost guaranteed someone's going to come up to you within a minute or two and ask you if you need directions. Yeah, people are very helpful, very friendly. Everyone in Japan studies English all throughout their school. Some of them are much better at it than others. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are shy to use it. Yes. But there's quite a few out there that uh, are pretty good at it or like practicing. Mm -hmm. And you can usually find uh, someone around that speaks a little bit of English. Yep. Again, back to the pocket Wi-Fi. I mean, if you have Google Maps, you probably won't even need to ask for very many directions. You can right. probably get through a whole trip without really talking to anybody. <laughs> Your hardest thing is probably going to be ordering food at a restaurant. Yeah, but and even that... Some of them have pictures on the menu. Yeah, either pictures or... This is a big thing in Japan. You walk up to a restaurant and they have a glass case outside with all these... Uh, the displays. Yeah, I mean, they're actual like 3D recreations of what each dish Yeah, little looks models like. of each dish. So you yeah. can see exactly what it looks like, get yeah. exactly what you want. Yeah. So at most restaurants, you can just point at what you want. and Some of the neighborhood restaurants even have like a vending machine where you pick what you want, pay at the vending machine, and it gives you a ticket. And you just go in and give a ticket to the cook. Yep. And they make your food for you and give it to you. Yep. Don't, you don't have, have to say don't have anything. To, don't have to talk to anybody. Yep. Or a few good words to know, though, just for... Absolutely. the sake of 
I don't know, blending in a tiny yeah, bit. Absolutely. Uh, so, arigato. What does that mean, Paul? Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> so that's a good one. Most people have heard of that one. You got konnichiwa. Sumimasen. Sumimasen. You is bump great. into anyone. Yeah. That's, Sumimasen. Yep. That's I'm kind sorry. of an excuse me slash I'm sorry. It can be used in a lot of situations. It's very versatile. If you make any mistakes in Japan, which I have done many times, <laughs> if you do anything dumb, sumimasen, sumimasen. is super useful. <laughs> yes. All is forgiven if you just sumimasen. Yep. Get a phrase book or something. Yeah. Like, just look up a few things before you go. Yeah. Oh, you know, I didn't even put bathrooms on here. Maybe we should mention bathrooms. Yeah, we could mention bathrooms. Let's talk about bathrooms. If you have an overactive bowel, <laughs> don't worry about going to Japan. There are bathrooms everywhere. Yeah. Train stations, mm -hmm. convenience stores. Department stores. I mean, all sorts of free public bathrooms. They pretty much always have floor-to-ceiling doors. You don't have that gap under the stall or anything like in the U.S. You got those great... Well, sometimes you'll find bathrooms with a Japanese-style toilet, which is kind of... You have to squat over You will it, see both ends. You will see, like, the Japanese-style toilet, which is, like, looks like a urinal put in a, in a floor Yeah, that you got to squat over. Yeah. Be careful... I almost lost my wallet into one oh, yes. my first time using it. Make sure your pockets are secure before you squat. That would be crappy. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, also going to see super high-end toilets as well. Oh, yeah. They got, like, they'll make a flushing noise while you're going just to cover up the sound of whatever you're doing in there. <laughs> the toilet seat might be heated. Yep. They're going to have a bidet on there Yep. with multiple options. Yeah, they're pretty cool. I mean, don't worry about the Japanese style of toilets because it's pretty rare that you find a place that only has those. Some place will have both Japanese yeah. style and Western style It was toilets. only in like older train stations that I'd see like the yeah. squat toilets. Yeah. Most of the hotels I stayed in had like pretty nice advanced Japanese toilets. Yeah. Should we move on to etiquette? Yes. Etiquette is very important in Japan. Yeah. They have a very ordered society, I would say. You don't want to step out of place. You don't want to do something you're not supposed to do because everyone's going to notice. <laughs> They're going to talk about the gaijin over here. Look what he's doing. Uh, yep. <laughs> I'm I'm joking. Like they understand that you're a foreigner. You're not super familiar with the culture, perhaps. They'll cut you a little slack. Yeah. But be careful with your shoes. Yeah. In most buildings you go into, you're gonna take your shoes off. They're gonna have a little entryway with a bunch of little shoe cubbies. And you're gonna take your shoes off, put them in a cubby. No one's gonna steal them because it's Japan and people don't do that. Mm -hmm. And then you're gonna walk around without your shoes inside. So wear socks. Please do everyone a favor and wear socks. Yeah, well, do yourself a favor. You don't want to be the awkward person that doesn't have socks to wear. I wouldn't say it's most buildings, though. Like restaurants, you're generally not going to have to take off your shoes. It depends on the restaurant, though. It does depend on the restaurant. I have been to and a place. And if you're like at a department store or a mall, you're not going to have to take your right. shoes off. Right. We're talking more like a traditional restaurant. You might. Yeah. Um, some hotels. Yeah. Or at least, uh, like a lot of hotels will have a little spot right when you enter your room to take your shoes off, so you don't mm -hmm. have to wear them around inside your hotel room. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to try to list off the places where I had to take off my shoes. 
I had to take them off when I went to a cat cafe to hang out with the cats. Okay. I had to take them off at a capsule hotel, like not just at the capsule where obviously you're not going to be wearing shoes, but even when you first get into the building. But like I said, most hotels, you're not going to have to take off your shoes until yeah. you get to your room. Just keep an eye out for it. From time to time, you're going to have to take off your shoes. Yeah. Some temples, if they have like tatami rooms and they're going to let you walk around like yeah. in the temple, if you're, you're going take off your into shoes. a room in a temple, you're probably taking your shoes off. Yeah. Let's talk about train etiquette. Before you get on the train, yes. don't be the jerk at the train station trying to shove your way into the train. The people there, the locals you will see, they're going to line up on both sides of the door, mm-hmm. leaving ample space in the middle for everyone to get off at that stop, and then both lines are going to shoot onto the train. Yep. And a so, lot of times there are even lines painted on the platform like to show you where to line up. Maybe there yeah. are little footprints painted there to the, show you, stand here. The doors are going to be in the same spot every time, so everyone knows where to stand. Mm -hmm. So don't block the door. Wait for everyone to get off the train before you get on. Also good to watch for, there are trains in Japan that are women only. Train cars usually, not not the whole train. I misspoke. Not Um, the entire train. And I think what I saw when I was there, on the pad to get onto the train, there is going to be a sign painted it surrounded in like pink or something and usually be in English too that says like women only. Right. So if you're a man, be aware of that. It's often at the front of the train, Mm -hmm. like the first two cars or so. Um, And we're not going to get into the uh, gender stuff surrounding that, but... Yeah, they have their reasons. Yeah. Just be aware of that. Yeah. So once you're on the train, like you said, you don't want to eat on the train, right? Right. Very rude. Also talking on your phone, being loud in general, that's not a thing. Yeah, don't be listening to music on your phone, unless it's headphones, that's okay. Yeah, but you're not on the New York subway, you can't just do whatever you want. If you're going to talk, talk quietly. Any other train stuff you can think Um, of? Yeah, if you've got bags with you, keep it on your lap, keep it close to you, don't just leave your bag in the middle of the aisle. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone's got really good etiquette over there, just try to do what everyone else is doing. Yeah, that's that's good advice for no matter where you are, just if if you're not sure what to do, look around. Yeah. Yeah. Just be aware of your surroundings. So money. Money is handled a little bit differently in Japan. Yeah. When you pay someone, they're going to accept your money with two hands. If you're passing it by hand at all. Yeah. You might be putting in a tray. There's often a money tray, so you don't have to touch each other. Yeah. I would say that is much more common than even, like, you you almost never want to pass money by hand unless there's no other option. Yeah. Most places, there'll either be an indent in the counter or they'll have a tray that they hand towards you when they see you pulling your bills out. Yep. You'll see a lot of these little plastic trays at at convenience stores, at restaurants, hotels even. So you're going to set your card or cash or whatever in the little tray and they'll take it out of the tray. Also etiquette, tipping. There is no tipping in Japan. Yeah, don't don't try to tip. Don't tip your cab driver. Don't tip your server. Don't tip your bartender. Yeah, you might think you're being really nice, giving them extra money, but they're, I mean, if you leave money behind at a table, they might actually chase you out of the yeah. restaurant to give you your money back. What about bathroom slippers? Do you have much experience with bathroom slippers? <laughs> I mean, not really. They were like at, at the hotel, but. Mm. Uh, I've seen them multiple places, restaurants. That cat cafe that I was talking about where I had to take off my shoes. Yeah, so if you've got your shoes off already, 
there's probably yeah. going to be some slippers you can put on. Yeah. So you don't have to walk around with your socks in a yeah. bathroom. That's a good rule of thumb. Anytime you're not wearing your shoes, if you need to go to the bathroom, there are going to be slippers specifically for the bathroom. This is a cleanliness thing. Yeah. So when you get into that bathroom, put on those slippers right away. And when you get out of that bathroom, make sure to leave those slippers behind in the bathroom. Yes. You don't want to be the guy walking back to the table at your restaurant in the bathroom slippers. Everything in Japan is really clean. They take good care of stuff. But no matter where you are, someone's peed on the floor at one point. No one wants to be walking around in a bathroom with their socks on. Yeah. What about taxis? I guess the only thing I was going to say about taxis is that they're high tech, man. Those doors will open automatically. Don't go reaching for that handle. Yeah, doors to gonna open swing open for door. you. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I had for etiquette is shrines and temples. These are, I mean, these are religious places. Basically, you want to be have some respect. Yeah. Just uh, again, pay attention to what what other people are doing, and they're actually specific etiquette rules for those places. And we're going to talk more about those in our episode about shrines and temples specifically, but. Um, you can look that up too. There are you know, ways that you're supposed to wash your hands before you go into a shrine, that kind of thing. All right, so once you've got all this stuff figured out, it's the day before your trip. Let's get to packing. Yes, it's time to pack. I mean, we're not going to go over just general packing stuff that applies to any destination, but specific to Japan, you're going to want to bring deodorant because... Now, this is an interesting fact. There's a gene that a lot of Asian people have that will give them like dry, flaky earwax instead of wet earwax. And that same gene has to do with underarm odor. Did you know that, Paul? I did not know that. Yeah, it's true. It's the same gene. So those people that have the flaky earwax are not going to have a lot of underarm odor. They just don't have the stuff that the bacteria like to eat that make the odor, I guess. So it's going to be hard to find Western-style deodorant in Japan. Good thing to bring from home. Basically, the only toiletry that you're going to have a hard time getting there. Yeah, you can find toothbrushes, toothpaste, floss, that sort of thing. A lot of that is provided for free by most hotels. If not, you can find it at convenience stores. Yeah, you're probably going to have some shampoo and soap and conditioner and all that basic hotel stuff. Another thing that's a good idea to pack, depending on where you're coming from, from the U.S., we fly more than like 12 hours to get to Japan, so it's a good idea to have a neck pillow because you're probably going to be sleeping on that plane. Yeah. The only time I ever use a neck pillow, and I'm so glad to have one. Yeah. Bring some entertainment, too. Bring a book. Download a new game on your phone. Sure. You a know. lot of times, it depends on the airline, of course, but most of the time, they're going to have built-in entertainment into the back of the seats on the plane. But Yeah, so bring some nice headphones so you don't have to use the cruddy ones they give <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, it's good to have options. You know, be prepared for a long trip. Yeah, I like to bring a few things. You know, two hours of this, two hours of that, two hours of that. It makes the plane ride go go quicker for me, at least. Yeah. Along with the neck pillow, sleep mask, earplugs can be good if, you know, yeah. to help you get, get as much sleep. sleep as you can on the plane. Because yeah. it's a long flight. There's a time difference. You're going to be dealing with jet lag. Yep. It could be the difference between having a good first day and being just knocked out your whole first day. Yep. Now, my last point, and again, this is kind of all down to your personal style, how you like to do things, but I like to pack as light as possible. Yes. Because, like I said, I like to see a lot of places, visit a lot of cities, 
it's no fun lugging around this huge suitcase or multiple suitcases. I yeah. even actually, I bought some wool shirts for my next trip that can, if you're not grossed out by it, they can go a couple days before you wash them. But even if you want to wash them every day, you can wash them in the sink at the hotel and they'll be dry by the next day. So that's one way I'm planning on cutting way down on what I need to pack. But even if you do want fresh clothes for the whole trip, like I said earlier, booking hotels with laundry can help with that so you don't have to pack quite as many clothes. And I mean, I would say stick to essentials as much as you can, just because you're going to find a lot of stuff in Japan that you want to buy, probably things that you want to bring back. Yeah, you're going to want to have a little extra room so that you can bring all your souvenirs and whatnot home. Yep. I would also recommend packing light. It's, it's depends a little bit on what you're going to do. If you're just going to stay in Tokyo the whole time or you're going to stay at one hotel the whole time, it's not as big of a deal. Yeah. But if you're planning to get around and travel a bit, it's just so much easier not yeah. having to deal with two big suitcases plus a carry-on. It can be a lot. Yeah. The last time we were in Japan, I was there for about 10 days and I did it with just a backpack, which in retrospect was maybe a little bit too light, but it's totally doable. Yeah. There's so many things that you could bring, but when you really think about it, you don't really need it. Yep. So pack light, unless you don't want to. Yeah, or not. <laughs> Whatever. Yep. All right, so you got everything booked. You got some phrases in your back pocket. You know where you're going. Got all your stuff packed. I think you're ready to go to Japan. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this episode. Uh, if you want to find us on the web, you can check us out at sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. We're also going to have our social media links there. Uh, and Paul, what's up next week? So now that you know how you're going to plan your trip to Japan, we're going to go over uh, some regions in Japan so you can decide where you want to go and what you want to see. So on the next episode, we're going to be talking about the Kanto region, which is the region of Japan that includes Tokyo. So there's going to be a lot going on there. Yeah, there is a lot going on in Tokyo and around Tokyo. And a good, good place to start your trip. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.